Now, this is the Nick Winter Show, and I do the entertaining. Thank you. Let's go out with something really hot for these folks. A big hit out of 77. A Star Wars. Hello, and welcome to the In My Defense podcast. It is I, your host, Christian, and I'm back again this week with a guest to talk about a geeky subject of their choice. This week, we are talking the Star Wars prequels with my friend Sophie London. Now, wait, don't go. Don't leave just yet. Don't turn off whatever thing you're using to listen to this with. Uh, We are talking the politics of the Star Wars prequels, not necessarily the movies themselves. Yes, there is discussion about why these movies were so panned across the board, but there's a lot more discussion happening about what these movies mean today and what George Lucas might have been trying to accomplish and, you know, probably failed at a little bit. Uh, This is something that's really good for any Star Wars fan. If you love Star Wars, if you don't know much about Star Wars, if you want to learn a little bit more about Star Wars, or if you're just like a casual fan, like some some people listen to this might be, I think this is going to be a really good one to listen to. Sophie came on and she was a great guest. She's an accomplished producer, very good friend of mine, and someone who I love to talk Star Wars with. And I think there's a lot to gain from this episode. But let's not waste too much of your time and get right into it so you can see exactly why this episode is so worth listening to. All right, so I am here with one of my good friends, Sophie London. Say hi to everybody, Sophie. Hi, everybody. And we are here to talk about the Star Wars prequels, episodes one, two, and three, and mainly talking about the pol- like the politics, the political metaphors throughout that series. Uh, is, I think that's the way you wanted to uh, talk about it, Sophie. Why, why, why this subject in particular? You know, I was... <laughs> I was watching Star Wars recently, as one does, and I was thinking about it. I was like, everybody hates these films. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of hate for these three particular films. And I started just thinking about why that is. And I was watching them with sort of, you know, watching them again as an adult differently than watching them when I was much younger and didn't have to think about, oh, I have a political election or anything like that. And as I was watching them as an adult, I, I thought this they're they're kind of genius in their social commentary about society and specifically how um, different political powers come in and out of power and why that is. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a good way to go about it, because I think there's a lot of negative things that you can say about these movies. And I'll just say that right now. They are not well written. It's not well directed. Uh, by no. virtue of that, unfortunately, it's not well acted. It's not well plotted. No. Uh, <laughs> Which is a shame because you have some really brilliant actors in it mm-hmm. that, I mean, Ewan McGregor is great. Natalie Portman is great. And uh, Samuel L. Jackson is, well, Samuel L. Jackson, no matter what he does. But he's <laughs> still great on, on camera. And yeah. it, it, they suffer from a very... I would say stagnant dialogue. I think there is some good storytelling in there. There's, I mean, we've known George Lucas is not very much an actor's director. So yeah, he's well known I've, for, yeah, he's well known for giving just the same direction as me, like faster, more intense, faster, faster more, more intense. intense. <laughs> yeah. And as an actor, at some point you must be like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> what do you uh, faster, more intense? Say this line faster, more. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, we can just get that right out of the way, out of yes. the way right away. Just be Let's like, talk about the yeah, bad stuff first. The movies and stories, they're not good. George Lo- George I mean, Lucas, George Lucas is a genius. The guy, the guy is for sure had some really great ideas, but then, mm-hmm. but but like, if you go into the history of Star Wars, like even if for that very first movie, the only reason. It, well, like one of the main reasons why it was so successful was because of the editing. Apparently, mm-hmm. like George Lucas's wife at the time saved the movie in the edit. Correct. She so, had a lot to do with that first trilogy and why um, she edited it to save it, really. Because yeah. I feel like he may be one of those directors that can go off on uh, a tangent. <laughs> and, oh, no, well, now this movie's gone gone off the rails. Oops. We never tied up six or seven different plot lines that we put in here. Yeah. Like, Sorry. Uh, like, yeah, George Lucas. I, I think I think it's true. I think people even thought it back then, like on set, where like 
Harrison Ford is famous for telling George, you know, it's like, hey, George, you can write this, but you can't say it. Yeah. <laughs> like when, it when it came to the dialogue and things like that, like George, George Lucas, just, he's he the movies are the especially these prequels are written in a way where it's it's like the observation of humanity and not so mm-hmm. much like like dialogue is not written like how actually people talk. It's always like it's, it felt it felt very much like a first draft. And that's across those, all those three movies. I, I can agree with that as a, as a writer, actor, I can agree with that. Uh, there, the dialogue is very just, it's mechanical. It feels very mechanical. Like I will say this, I love you. I love you too. <laughs> like, okay, well, it's this brilliant love story in the middle of a, in the middle of a galactic battle. But I think, I think fans were kind of waiting, you know, I think with films like Star Wars, you damned if you do and damned if you don't it's um which is something that the last three films i think suffered from as well but in the opposite way where the prequels suffer from a lot of fans kind of wanted the same the same thing they're like okay great we kind of get to see star wars but a new a new story like new characters but it's going to follow kind of the same Thing. So I think they kind of wanted a lot of fan service in those first three movies. And what they got was something completely different, which as a storyteller, I can completely agree with. You shouldn't give people the exact same thing because that's not a story. It's not like when you're 20, you're doing the exact same thing or acting the exact same thing as when you're 30. Yeah. And I, I think George Lucas suffers from like he su- he suffers from that ailment that all artists and creatives actually suffer from where nothing you make is ever good enough mm-hmm. and yeah. if given the choice you want to be able to just polish it off just a little bit more change change a little thing here and there and george lucas had the luxury of not ever having to let go he has worked right. very hard at retaining he worked very hard at retaining ownership of star wars from the very beginning and so was allowed to make any changes that he wanted to, even if he not, he necess- he didn't necessarily have to. That's right. And and he was very smart about that. He was a very smart businessman when it came to dealing with Fox and not giving away certain rights, which as filmmakers now are like, damn, everybody's kind of wise to that. So we can't give away merchandise. We can't keep merchandising right, which for him was brilliant in itself. And he was able to create his own massive empire that now we see in a lot of different movies and how many movies do you see nowadays that don't deal with ILM or Skywalker Sounds? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So many, so many great people came out of those first movies that have gone on to to just change the landscape of cinema for like the rest of time. Yeah, and I think in terms of cinema, it's something that we're kind of lacking right now. Um, I, I heard a commentary by a reporter say that the first, the, the prequel films were definitely sort of the start of where Hollywood is at now in terms of we're just punching out big blockbuster films with superheroes or dogfights and damn to a heartfelt story. And I like them. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of big blockbuster movies. I'm not going to lie. I'll go and watch Captain America or uh, any of the Avenger films. And I wasn't to me when I was a kid, Star Wars wasn't a thing. And my mom liked it because she's very into into Star Wars and Star Trek and comic books. But I didn't. I never got into that when I was younger. And it wasn't until really I saw episode one as a, as a young teenager that I was like, oh, I, this is Star Wars. This is cool. I like this. Um, but I was also kind of dragged into that. Oh, he's really cute. I'm going to follow that after. But <laughs> as most teenagers do and didn't really bother to look so much for the nuances in it but once i found it i was like these these films are very low-key brilliant it's just that nobody notices because they're busy complaining about jar jar banks or that it doesn't follow the same storytelling as the the original three but the sequels also had that problem where they followed the same exact story that you had in episodes four five and six and they are su- they they suffered because of it. It's full fan service. You don't have a cohesive story in those three. I don't think. Yeah, I think it's very much. Uh, it was very much like a story by committee where yes. there was too many. Uh, it was the opposite problem for some for even the prequels, right? Where there was there was where the prequels had one person dictating what was going to happen, whether it was for the ill or for not, and then the sequels uh, had too many people involved mm-hmm. in the process to actually like 
mm-hmm. get, get get the full story that needed to be told out. Right. So you can you can suffer either way as a storyteller from either too much input or not enough input. And I think Disney went the they tried to go the safe route, which was let's just give the fans what they want, which is exactly the same the same thing they've seen before. Let's change a couple characters here and there and make Luke a girl and see how and see how it goes. And it's pretty much when you get to episode seven, you're like, wait, I'm just I'm watching the same thing I just watched. <laughs> yeah, I've always had like a, a theory for a while now where it's like for, for a movie or a franchise or whatever series is happening, for it to be uber successful, to have like the success that uh, Star Wars had, either everything has to go perfectly or everything has to go terribly. And not really in the middle, right? You can't have a problem mm-hmm. here and there. Like, like it, ha- it either has to go where the the creatives involved are 100% in control and they're telling a story that they want to tell and then they're allowed to do so. Or everything goes to shit and then it gets saved later on yeah. through, through editing or whatever process. And it usually, like, and it happened with Star Wars where the first movie, like, by all accounts, should not have happened. Everybody everybody doubted it from the very start, except mm-hmm. for George Lucas. Mm-hmm. Or like a, or a movie like Jaws, where they couldn't even get the shark to work, so they had to hide the shark for most of the movie. And it ends yeah. up being it ends up being the first biggest movie of all time. Mm-hmm. And that's where the editors come in, where they can really say, you know what, there's a different way to tell a story. I think uh, a director sees a story in a certain way, and the director's job is really to see the story edited in their head so that they can get all of the footage and things that they need before they get to post-production. But the editor's job is really to retell the story and say, you know what, there's a lot of fat here or there's not enough or there's things that can go, maybe we put this scene at the beginning instead of the end and you get a better story that way. But some of them suffer from like the prequels where you didn't have a strong editor like that, maybe that wasn't telling George Lucas, you know what, this isn't great. Like um, episode three, there are several deleted scenes where I would have loved to see those in the film because they show Padme actually meeting in secret with other senators to try and overthrow the chancellor or actually start the resistance and you didn't get any of that in the actual cut which is i think is a disservice to fans because you didn't get to see where the rebellion fully started and it started way back then and you have all the same senators that are already in play in episode four when we first meet luke and lance yeah so having said that uh, we can get into what george lucas might have actually been trying to do with these movies Mm -hmm. and i agree that george lucas definitely made the the prequels with an agenda he definitely wanted to get across his ideas about like how he felt where he felt the world was going and and what he didn't like about it and i think that's especially true for episode two and three definitely because like attack of the clones came out in 2002 right like it's yes it's it's uh it's after it's after 9 11 the bush administration at the time is enacting all these Mm -hmm laws and and doing things to like uh get pe- get past like take away uh, the american citizens privacy with mm-hmm. like the patriot act and all that kind of stuff and george lucas That's definitely right. wanted to get across that he wanted people to beware of corrupt governments and giving people people who who make the decisions too much power exactly and he directly puts that in the film with several um with several lines it's especially when they give the chancellor emergency powers to create an army, which is exactly the same thing that happened during Bush's administration, where he was given emergency powers in order to bypass the Senate and send troops into into war, a war that I think at some point nobody knew what we were fighting against anymore. It was like, was it for 9-11 or not? And I think that that was probably his agenda was to showcase that, hey, these are things that are happening now. And if we're not careful, this is where they're going to go. I think fast forward 20 years and we're kind of like, (laughs) it's kind of like, hey, so if you watch them now and you think about what's happening now in our 2020 elections, it's kind of or even in the 2016 elections, it's sort of you're watching them. And they're they're a prequel to the rise of Donald Trump and how someone like him would get to where he is. Yeah, the idea of like giving uh, like people mm-hmm. people tend to just kind of like lay back and mm-hmm. not and really only worry about their own individual circles. And I was like, guys, we're all in this together. We kind of need to come together to make sure that 
the people in power don't really like try to corrupt like right get corrupt and try to like corrupt the government and take too much control uh, right. which is things that we've seen over the last few years where like politicians are basically trying to do whatever they can to keep their jobs for as long as possible no matter how mm -hmm. many people they uh they disenfranchise in the process correct and it's not it's as as he clearly shows in the films it, it, it ends up becoming not a problem of one side or the other or one party or the other it's a collective thing where neither party wants to give up power and how do they how do they go about keeping power how does each party go about keeping some sort of power yeah it's a, they're, they're, and then it gets into like a really interesting philosophy right because the jedi aren't really the good guys in these movies either where like they're also this group that wants to keep their power and 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 it's too they're too they're too cocky basically for lack of a better word they're too, a lot of hubris i would say yeah. <laughs> they're 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 not really worried they're not really worried about the possibility that like the bad guys are right under their noses right. because hey we're the jedi we're super strong we're corrupt we're the most we're the most powerful conglomerate of right. people in the entire world what can anybody do to us that's not like some kind of metaphor for america or anything like that right and i think they're so blinded at that point to we're the good guys and nothing uh, nothing we do is is not helping people because they are their intentions are good right they have good intentions to help people i i've read several articles about people talking about this exact topic and one of the reporters mentioned i think it was on vox they mentioned that um what happens is that you have the jedi for example where they're so they un un known to them or very subconsciously to them really just want to keep their power or think that they are beyond having someone come and try to threaten their power or threaten their their status and don't pay attention much to there is a threat and also don't pay attention to why they got to where they got in the first place so all of the people that they were supposed to be inspiring to be like jedi and be better were no longer being given the help and assistance that maybe they needed or the inspiration they needed to rise above. Yeah, I'm almost sure that if these movies had been better written or if we had gotten more stories told within this era of the of the universe, um, we would have seen stories of like Jedi who were not necessarily evil, but mm -hmm. were, were using their positions to either like gain some kind of profit or or do something to manipulate the circumstances to better befit their station. Uh, right. I'm sure we would have seen stuff like that in, in an expand. Well, I'm sure there's expanded universe stuff. Cause mm -hmm. I've never really fell into that, but I'm sure like someone's touched on the Jedi, not Jedi while not necessarily being evil, not being good either. I think um, one of one of the important things they touched on in one of the articles that I read was that they become kind of do nothing thing. Yeah. Like we're fine as we are. There's nothing that we need to to keep pushing it's we're we're okay we're status quo is okay and then they forget that there's still slavery in the galaxy and that there's still certain things so they go like when they go to Tatooine in episode one that um even had me like i can't believe there's still uh slavery in the galaxy and obviously that's not a direct quote but <laughs> <laughs> i mean it might as well be <laughs> right it was probably better <laughs> yeah it was probably a better line um but it, it's it's crazy like going back like even talking about episode one like episode one came out before um 9 11 mm -hmm. and it was made before then and like it does yeah. so it does it doesn't have as much of those like really like deep political commentary but i think you do see a lot of george lucas's um problems with capitalism and yes. and stuff like that like the trade federation in that movie is this basically basically a giant company that made so much money that they became a nation unto themselves mm -hmm. yeah and they have different i don't know if you've if you've seen the uh, animated series the clone wars mm -hmm. that yeah, is the... that's some of the best writing i think they've i've seen in star wars because they touch on all of these things like the banking clan that gets huge and it's a lot more it's a lot more political commentary and i think um dave filoni is responsible for it. He's also responsible for the Mandalorian. Yeah. So you get that kind of good younger type writing. Yeah, you get the guy I that think, you get the guy that grew up with these stories and be like, right. How do I fix this? <laughs> yeah, this how do I fix it or how do I make it better? Even how do I build on what's already there and make it better? And it's it gives you a lot more insight into these characters that I personally grew up loving the 
the characters in the prequels. Mm-hmm. And I think, but I think I suffer from Star Wars fan blinders where yeah. you love you love the film so much and you don't want to see what's wrong with them. <laughs> Or, I will say, or Star Wars fans are the worst. I'm going to put that out there for everyone. I love Star Wars. <laughs> I really do love Star Wars. I was now I never got into Star Trek. Um, I didn't either. <laughs> yeah, and and like so, I was always on the Star Wars side of this. But Star Wars fans are the absolute worst. Anytime a fandom gets so large that like the the original series, the original series that whatever it follows cannot do any wrong, there is a problem. Yeah, and, and so like really, just fuck all Star Wars fans. You all are terrible, and you should be ashamed of yourselves. <laughs> I mean, there is there is significant issues with the first three that came out. Also, yeah, let's not. Um, oh, for sure, I'm not even talking about just like kill the prequels without talking about all of it. They all have issues. It's just you kind of. For me, the prequels, I love them so much, but I think I love the idea of what's in my head about them more than what they actually are. I think every time I watch them, I rewrite it in my head and I'm like, this could have been so much better. And look, in only your, in, this way. And look, in your defense, which is almost the name of this show, like the stuff that you're looking for is there. I think George Lucas mm-hmm. put it out there for people to find. The problem with it mm-hmm. is that these are very high-minded ideas for a franchise that is for babies. Star Wars is for babies. And and, and- that's the thing. That's the thing. You you don't you know, he kind of threw in Anakin as a kid which he probably shouldn't have just because you know he was looking for that target audience of younger of a younger generation to grow up with with the first 3 films or the not the first 3 films or the prequels. Yeah. And what happened was that they're too they're too political and they were even probably too political for or too real i would even say too real they're very on the nose of a lot of things that are happening even right now that yeah i want to look something up real quick just so Mm -hmm. as an example of that because there there's there's a very good way there's very good there's a good very good way to show why um the that first movie and movies follow were way Mm -hmm. too political um, I'm gonna read up the opening crawl. <laughs> oh sure, I just rewatched them yesterday. So yesterday and today, really, to to prepare myself to talk to you. Because I was like, wow, I haven't seen them in a while, but I, I, they are brilliant. And so, but like the way the Phantom Menace opens up. It goes, turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly battleships, the greedy Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to the small planet of Naboo. Mm -hmm. While the Congress of the Republic endlessly debates the alarming chain of events, the Supreme Chancellor has secretly dispatched two Jedi Knights, the guardian of peace and justice in the galaxy, to settle the conflict. Hey, no taxation without (laughs) representation. (laughs) But, like... Man, that's, that's, I, I heavy, was, that's heavy for for a I younger was, audience. I was eight when this movie came out, <laughs> and if I don't, I don't remember if I saw it in the theaters. But this is, but like when I'm I'm eight years old, I don't have much memory of the original series. But if I had seen them at all at this point, mm-hmm. right? And then this movie opens up with the taxation of trade routes, and you're like, like what the hell is that? <laughs> who is this for, George? Yes, um, you're like, what having, is that? That was, I felt like now that you mentioned that, that was, that's his manifesto to, that's his political manifesto. This is, this is what I think is going on here. And I think he made it for the George Bush administration and didn't realize it was going to be more poignant in 2020 <laughs> than it was in 2002 or 2005 or 1999 when these movies came out. And, but even having said that, like this, this, the fundamentals came out before the Bush administration was even a thing, right? And, but, yeah, but it show, it's very but it, foreshadowing. But it, but it shows how George was so reticent against like believing in large corporations and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and you see it. He is very much someone who is, I don't know about anti capitalist, but at least anti American capitalism, where it's this idea of like profits before all else, mm-hmm. like profits by any means necessary, which is, is, which is one of the things I hate about American capitalism. Hey. And. And so, and, and it show, and it shows. He's he's definitely like stepped. It's not just in his movies because this is a guy who sold Star Wars literally mm-hmm. for billions, billions of, dollars of dollars, and then gave it all away. Mm-hmm. 
then proceeded to like donate it all to charity. George Lucas is a beautiful person. He is one of the best people in the entire world. He has given so much of his money to charities mm-hmm. and to good causes. And he and he and he is actually uh the world is better for having him in it. He is mm-hmm. just not a very good director. Yes, that I agree. I agree with that. I think if we kind of take that out of the equation and try to look at, at these three films in a different context and forget about that. If we can take out the main characters, really, really horrible dialogue. <laughs> and like, there's a scene where he's talking to her and he's like, I just have feelings for you. And it's so cringy. And you're like, the look on her face is like, oh God, this is someone like we've all, I feel like we've all been there, right? Or like, this is someone I'm just going to have to let him down, but I don't know how. I don't <laughs> know because I want to be nice because I still like you as a person, but I don't want you to like me like that. And then she's like, three scenes later, she's like, but I'm in love with you. And she's like, you just (laughs) wanted to kick him out of your house. What happened to that? (laughs) But if you look at it for beyond the love story, beyond crazy Jar Jar Binks antics and all of the other things, it does have some, some brilliant storytelling that a lot of films nowadays refuse to get into subjects like that, especially in the kind of environment that we're in now. And and when I say films, I think I'm mostly talking about big blockbuster films. They're very in your face fight because you know what? Star Wars fans, they don't want to be told what to think politically. They don't want to be shown what's in their face. Like, is this really what's happening in my society now? I don't care. Just pew, pew, pew the hell out of the whole movie and let me get out of here with some popcorn and another Baby Yoda toy. And I think we've seen that most people feel that way. I don't think most people mm-hmm. really like to be challenged or be or or right. have or have ideas introduced to them that um, that they that they don't agree with right off the bat. I've gotten into plenty of arguments with like family about like these simple things, like where mm-hmm. you just got to care for each other. Do, like try to accept what other people are telling you, and be and be open to this idea that doesn't fit within your own little bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it goes I crazy. Think- one of the underlying themes there is very much how a democracy can get so complacent, which with where they are, that they forget to do what they want. They were doing at the beginning and it opens the door for very fascist thinking and a fascist regime to take over. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I know the first three films are definitely his social commentary on the rise of, of Nazis. Mm-hmm. And episodes one two and three are as well really with some of american stuff thrown in there no for sure another cool thing about george lucas very anti-fascist yes which i think is something that everybody should be which is weird Mm -hmm. but uh it's it's weird it's weird that there are people in here that are like like anti-fascism anti-fascism or anti-racism is a bad thing it's like no you're dumb you're stupid but you are are a fascist or you are a racist if you think Mm -hmm. that anti-racism or Mm anti-fascism is not a good idea but uh, George Lucas did that from the very beginning. I think a lot of the themes there have to do with, yeah, anti-fascism for sure. But also, it's not just that the democracy gets complacent, but the people get complacent. Everything mm-hmm. is copacetic and we don't have to do anything. And they forget. People also get very lazy and don't bother to think about who they're voting for and why they're voting. Just, I'm just going to vote for the guy that says the things that I want. And then you end up with someone like Emperor Palpatine, that's that says i think one of my one of my favorite lines in episode two in the the attack of the clones is when he says i love democracy (laughs) (laughs) and you're like no you don't no you don't you're just using whatever this is when it when it when it it benefits him when it benefits his own personal uh goals exactly Um, yeah i think i think you're absolutely right where george lucas is trying to cover something where like the issues with personal complacency where mm-hmm. as long as all the bad things happening outside don't affect me mm-hmm. on, on on in my home or my family or friends then it's fine you can do whatever you right. want you can you can go ahead and 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 kill people on the streets that don't deserve it you can you can mm-hmm. you can uh try to kidnap a michigan governor doing <laughs> as, 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 long, as, as long as you're doing that somewhere else and it's not affecting right. me, then then it's then i don't really care Right. And then I think his message is very much, well, when you get complacent, then you get you get an empire because you were too lazy to say this is not okay. But then 
when you find out that it's not okay, it's too late to do anything about it because you've already let something else happen. And I'm always like, yes, we are. Hey, I would have been super happy if Jar Jar Binks was the actual mastermind behind all of it. (laughs) It would have been super gratification. Like, yes, that's it. Jar Jar Binks was behind the whole thing. The entire thing. We yeah, we had we had a possibility where George, where Donald Trump could have been George R. Binks, but now we're the George R. Binks. Yes. We're, we're the like ones sure. that we're the ones that accepted a dictator instead of the ones that uh ushered him in. And and let's look at George R. Binks for a second. Because by all accounts, yes, annoying as hell, but also a very innocent character. Like he does really represent innocence, I think, in in those films and even in the second film he's trying to kind of step up and do do something good and do what he thinks maybe Padme would do in his in his place and try to be a better person and a good politician and he lets himself literally be the one that votes Palpatine into emergency powers yeah but, uh, have you ever looked up what happens to Jar Jar Binks after the trilogy? No. Oh no. It's what super. It's super sad. So no. In, poor in Jar Jar. Uh, it was after Disney bought it out, and they had that that aftermath book where mm-hmm. uh, it, t- it talks about the stuff bef- leading up to the Force Awakens. Apparently, Jar Jar Binks is uh, now a street performer on like Coruscant or something like that who just really wants to make children like smile to hide the fact that he is so sad underneath I mean it must be a hard thing to discover that you're the one that helped you are you're the one you're you're the one you're the president that voted in uh the chancellor during a game of secret Hitler I mean yes there's a whole scene where you might just think of Jar Jar doesn't really say anything in that scene but you can totally tell where they completely gaslight him into doing this mm-hmm. And when you like when you watch these films now in 2020, I would challenge everybody that's listening to watch them with the mind of how things are are happening in this country right now and where we're headed and really think about what the message is there or it's it's sort of a cautionary tale. And they also talk about look at Anakin Skywalker, right? He's supposed to be the chosen one. But where is it written that chosen ones aren't supposed to be? evil too and it, it and, and also i think it's a condemnation of the chosen one narrative right mm-hmm. like you cannot you cannot put the fate of billions of people on one person right like exactly too, like putting too much faith in anakin skywalker kind of helped lead down to the downfall of the jedi right because right. here's this here's this kid who shows up and you tell him he's the chosen one he is the most important person in the entire mm-hmm. galaxy he is the one that is going to bring balance to the force and save everybody mm-hmm. and and then and and then when he when he grows up and he has to deal with this system right and he has all this pressure on him to be great and then and then he and he feels um Mm-hmm. What's the word for looking for? He's basically a Karen, where he's just kind of like uh, he feels entitled. <laughs> he is he the feels, Karen of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, he feels entitled to uh, being uh, getting a position on the Jedi Council, being known as a Jedi Master. Mm-hmm. Like he, and and he's got he, he's all these things that even like I think by the time the third movie by the time the third movie happens, he's how old? Like he's he's his early twenty, 20s. right? Yeah, I think right? he's twenty or nineteen or twenty, right? Because they say ten years go by, so he should be nineteen. Yeah, because I, because yeah, just and, angry teenager time, and, thinking and you're an adult when you're not. Yeah, he's basically every like childhood celebrity who went off the rails. Like they get told that they're the most special person in the world, and then things exactly. go to shit when they have to deal with that real world. Exactly, exactly. It happens. It happens a lot, definitely with with child actors, especially if they have this sort of meteoric rise to something. Look at Justin Bieber, and. <laughs> among others really and they have a complete breakdown as adults because they really can't handle the responsibility because they've grown up with this stress of well you're the chosen one you're gonna save us all that's probably a lot to put on a nine-year-old who really just wanted to get in a spaceship and fly and pew 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 and then when that kid turns 20 
and then when that kid turns 20 and he feels like he's entitled to getting a position on the Jedi Council, he's like, why don't they give that to me? Oh, you know what? They're jealous of me, and mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm going. I'm gonna go out and kill. I'm gonna go save my mom and kill a bunch of the whole village of, of Tuscans. I am mm-hmm. going. I am going to gaslight this girl into falling in love with me. Totally. <laughs> All this nonsense. Totally, and it's and it's uh, this obsess obsessive love that he has for her really that drives her to where they need to go i think it has a lot of a lot of really adult themes in it another one that like we were just touching on i think was if you if you study any kind of metaphysics where the force would come in and things like that where really is about don't let your fear control you because it will only lead you to other things that are not good if, if you're con- constantly afraid of this, if you're constantly afraid of this other outcome, that's where you're going to go because that's where your intention is. Your intention is not necessarily for that outcome to happen. But that's sort of where your intention goes. And, and the force is very, very, the way they talk about the force in the movies is very on the nose of what you study in metaphysics. It's and the Yoda like part. That. It's uh, fear leads to anger, anger yes. leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. <laughs> Exactly. And suffering leads to the dark side. And suffering leads to the dark side. I like this. I, That's I, all I like, it is. I'd like to everybody to think that I memorized that, but I really looked it up really quickly because you were just basically saying I have it human, memorized. I don't oh you have it memorized? Yes. Well you said it in a very human way, so you were paraphrasing the hell out of that. Fear what um fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. And oh, and he says, right, um he says other things right before that, and you're like, damn, I know you're right. Yoda, Yoda is basically Yoda's dialogue in these movies is basically the only time that someone's might he's he's definitely not talking like a human but he's saying things in a way where it's just not saying what is true what is there mm-hmm. Yoda speaks in epitaphs and and metaphors and and like yes and he t- he talks like a living thing might actually talk yeah like a living thing from his planet wherever wherever that is he's eight hundred eighty years old he can. Do what he, he wants. Yeah, he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> he can say whatever he wants. He's learned enough about he's how vo- things go. He's voiced by Miss Piggy. It's all good. Oh gosh, now I can't. Um, <laughs> now I can't unsee it. I had a voice coach once that would tell me that in order to get into my upper range while singing, I had to think about sounding like Miss Piggy. And I was like, for a while, I couldn't get that out of my head. And it was so hard because I'm like, I don't want to sound like Miss Piggy. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can do Mickey uh, Mouse much better than I can do Miss Piggy. Uh, so like, let's talk about like Palpatine. So Palpatine is the mm-hmm. one who's like very much the force of evil, or as I oh, like yes, to call let's him, talk about Palpatine. Palpatine, the main character of all three trilogies, apparently. Yes, apparently. <laughs> Uh, we didn't know, but now you know. So he basically gets into power by like playing both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he, the one. He's the ultimate conspiracy theory. Yeah, he's the one backing the Trade Federation, telling them what to do, and mm-hmm. and and he's hoping that by like making the Trade Federation more powerful, he can he can trick like the Senate and other like political leaders to give him more power. Basically, right. he's, he's he's just constantly making things worse for everybody, just so that in he the can end, benefit. Yeah, he can take over. Yes. Um, and I think now that now that we've started on this subject, I think that is uh, George Lucas's nod to all the conspiracy theories that go on um, that you see on the Internet and things like that. It's it's very much well that one guy's playing both sides. It doesn't matter which side you're on. Really, they're both either not right or not wrong, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah, it's, 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 one, it's one of those ideas where like it's definitely like this person is. This 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 person is just trying to incite fear and anger out of folks, right? This person is right. taking advantage of that, and like, like, like created a war. Yeah, for example, yeah, for, uh, and this and in, in, in the context That's of like the George, <laughs> yeah, in the context <laughs> of like the George Bush era, mm-hmm. he's basically yeah, it's basically like we want to uh, we want to do this thing, but we can't mm-hmm. convince people to just let us do that. We can't. We we all right. We want to attack Iraq. They got but- they got the oil. They got the oil, right? But Iraq mm-hmm. doesn't really have anything to do with what this attack that happened on 9-11. So how do we do that? Let's right. man- manipulate. We'll manipulate the details. We'll tell We'll tell folks that the Nomodians are uh, sending spies into society mm-hmm. and that we need to do a 
we, and we need to build this army and do like a preemptive strike against them before they actually do attack us. And what's a really, really scary way of telling people that? Let's just say weapons of mass destruction. That sounds scary <laughs> as hell. Let's say that all the time and repeat it on the media all the time. And mm-hmm. they'll be like, yes, absolutely go to war. What, what are we doing? Like, they, That sounds scary. You've got to stop it. Yeah. And it, it's it's also, like you said, the um, episode one was before 9-11 and all of the conspiracy theories that came after that where it was a fabricated event in order to lead to a war and ain't that star wars episodes one two and three (laughs) well i'll say like anything that came out of the phantom menace is probably an accident i I do believe like the anti-capitalist stuff is there um i don't know i don't know if i don't know i don't know how inclined people were against uh because I not because it's funny like people describe 1999 as like in the Matrix is described as the peak of human civilization, and the more I think about it, the more yeah it probably was. We we had we had the Matrix we had we had, a, we had all these great things happening then and then once the new millennium hits it, it's all it's all fucked it's all it's all gone. Pretty much, um, pretty so, much so, it was. And and, and that's why time. like Attack of the Clones and, mm-hmm. and Revenge of the Sith become like so much darker. Yes. Um, it's also like the Harry Potter films where my mom asked me the other day why she likes the first two films but doesn't want anything to do with the other ones. And then she said, oh, just because they get so dark after that. And I'm like, well, isn't that life? Everything is hunky-dory <laughs> until it's not, until yeah, things start all, happening and it gets dark. And then it gets te- dark. They're all, they're all teenagers now. The world is mm-hmm. literally against them. Exactly. Exactly. And all of these um, YA novels that are literally all these teenagers against the world. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of stress to put on teenagers, honestly. Yeah, there was a there was a meme that I had posted up a while back about how like all these YA books, Harry Potter, Marvel movies, all this stuff, all this stuff that t- tells kids that the world is out to get you and that you need to fight back against it. Mm-hmm. And then and then 2020 comes and everyone's mad that we're fighting back against it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, but we've been we've been hammered into thinking that we needed to fight back against it since we were little. And now you don't want us to fight. What's happening? They, but look they, at all they, of the they the weren't the ones doing the hammering. Now. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Else, the the ones doing the hammering, the ones that were like the ones that told us to go in school, go to school, and not do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Were the ones that wanted us to have like these out of date history history books. Oh yeah, and blocked websites and stuff like that with people that don't want us to really like spread like spread our values. Like no, stay stay in this small town. Yeah, kn- know the same twenty five people for your whole life, Absolutely. and and believe that whatever opinion you develop out of that dictates how everybody should live across the entire mm-hmm. world. And we're we're sold different American dreams depending on where we are. Right. And, and I think it's a different version for everyone. If you look at these films as almost prophetic, I feel like when they came out, maybe the last one in 2005, it was more of a cautionary tale. Like this is where we could be headed or this is what this is an extreme of what could happen. It's not what's happening now, but this is an extreme of what could happen. And fast forward and you watch them in 2020. And I was watching them yesterday and I was like, ah, crap. <laughs> it's where we are it's not even where we could be it's where we are i just really want to see donald i don't want to see it but like donald trump come out uh he's all he's all scarred from getting over covid19 he's got all these steroids <laughs> pumping him up that made his face all even even more worse than he did before he comes out in a big dark black robe just to hide, just to hide his scars and he comes <laughs> out i believe that we should begin a first american empire <laughs> That's right. Officially. And I just want him to say, I love democracy. Oh, Mitch McConnell is Jar Jar. (laughs) Oh, no, poor Jar Jar. Don't do that. He's more like Jabba the Hutt. Honestly, he's like a gangster that has too much power. (laughs) Don't do that to Jar Jar. I actually kind of like Jarzer. I feel bad for him that everybody gives him all the grief that he gets. I think I believe in the theory that he is the ultimate Sith Lord, <laughs> and nobody knows. I mean, like we know why George Jar Jar is there. Like it's he's the comic relief. He's the comic relief. He was what C three PO was in the original movies. Um, mm-hmm. He was, except with a. <laughs> really funny accent yeah i mean that accent is terrible like if it, if it could have been anything else and there are some moments that they cover through mm-hmm. jar jar 
there's there's a there's a really strong political discourse happening in that first movie. Yes. When they, Very. When, they when they go when they go when they go down to the uh the water world, the under the underground yeah. underwater city, and mm-hmm. like they're and they're talking to Boz Nass. If it wasn't for the horrific dialogue, if it wasn't for the actual words that were being spoken, if it wasn't for the th- yes. uh, the way that they had uh, Jar Jar and his people speak, it might actually be like super interesting. Like it's it's the Jedi telling like when they when they have to convince them to fight for Naboo, it's mm-hmm. the Jedi telling it's the Jedi telling them exactly what we're saying. It's telling us like, look, whatever happens to those people happens to you. Yes, right? exactly. You have to act in a way that will benefit as many people as possible or else you're going mm-hmm. to come down eventually also yeah that's that was very much their way of saying you all live on the same planet so it, you either care or you're just gonna die and that's pretty much where we are with climate change right <laughs> we're trying that's to tell people I, I believe that's where we are with everything like mm-hmm. when it's for 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 taxes for government mm-hmm. care for medicare for medicaid all this kind of stuff like decisions that benefit the most amount of people possible are things mm-hmm. that bring up everyone like the rising yeah. tide brings up all ships you had like right it's a great uh, like george lucas is like he's a super genius super great guy i wish he knew how to human spoke yes <laughs> i wish he he learned how to human speak more than yoda speak it's but like it's, if they were all Yodas, you would have probably bought some of that dialogue. But whatever but, now. Like he's he's got he's got he's got more money than God. He can live the rest of his life wants. without ever interacting with another human ever again. And I do believe that he really does love this franchise. I think George Lucas definitely worked really hard. And I and I and it's even possible that like I remember before Disney bought the franchise, they were coming out with the 3D movies. I think mm-hmm. only the only the Fant- only the Phantom Menace had come out so far by the time Disney bought it, but it failed. It was like the yeah. it's like it's like the first time a Star Wars movie ever came out in the theaters and didn't hit number one. Well, it was already an old movie that people could watch at home, so there was that. Yeah, but it was like it was Star Wars, right? So yeah, um, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure we broke his heart. I, I'm, society broke George I Lucas's think so. heart. And we broke George Lucas. He would have held on to Star Wars as long as he could, but then Disney shows up and they need a franchise to sell to boys. So, Star Wars fandom uh, killed George Lucas, and I I think he was doing really good by putting a female character there that in the in Phantom Menace was willing to kind of do what she needed to save her people, and in even in the second film where she was like, I'm going to vote no matter what, even though it was more political than her picking up a gun, which we did get that at the end. But in the third film, it was like, did you forget you had a heroine? Or what about all the little girls watching? Is this what you're telling us to go home and, and get pregnant and then forget that we have brains? That's how I felt about the third film in terms of Padme's character. She was my favorite character. When talking the politics of Star Wars, things really do fall apart when you talk about the most obvious things like sexism, racism, slavery, like this, these movies, this slavery is still an issue all the way going to return of the Jedi. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, it's a thing that they can't seem to figure out in the movies and not that they can't seem to figure out, but I think that's probably part of his, his social commentary is that there is types of slavery still out in the world. And even though we think we've evolved past this or we beat the empire or whatever it is, there's still craziness going on. Oh, and that, I, forgot the, I forgot there's slavery in The Last Jedi also. Yeah, the Republic was a very complacent democracy and they forgot that there was still things that maybe they needed to fix in their Republic and didn't like all the lower, all the lower levels of that city that needed some cleaning up or something. It was no longer a focus of the um, of the Republic Senate. And that's that's where he talks about once you're a complacent government, the people start saying the government isn't doing anything to fix these situations or to help us fix these situations. And that's where again, you make room for all of these fascist type of people like Emperor Palpatine and at some point Anakin Skywalker to get up there. I mean, being being a whiny teenager in episode three, I mean, episode two, and then in episode three, he's just a, a whiny 20-year-old. Yeah, and what does Pal- Palpatine do? He, he, he t- uses he, that. He uses that, right? He, he does what 
the politicians do today. They do what they do in the real world. He takes he he says things that he doesn't even necessarily believe in. Right. And and he but he uses that because he knows that this is a powerful person that's good to have on his side. Mm-hmm. And so he tells him, no, you are the chosen one. You are the mm-hmm. most important person in the world. You're right that these people are not giving you what you want and they never will. Side mm-hmm. with me and I'll give you what you want. What you I will, yeah. yeah, I will I will do everything in my power to make sure that, you know, you're the love of your life, that you get the girl, mm-hmm. that, you be, that you become, every, that everyone knows your name. Mm-hmm. Right now, I, just go out and kill some kids. Yeah, that was like, I think I felt like that was too much. At, at one point, because you, sure, that evilness was probably always there, but you don't go from like not from being angry and like killing sand people to like, I'm just going to kill these poor defenseless children that haven't done anything to me. I thought that was a little over the top. And I know he probably added that in there for dramatic effect, but it was still, it's one of those very cringy scenes where you're like, yeah, I no, just no. At least they didn't show it. Yeah, that would have been that would have been way that I think that would have taken it to an R rating. But I think if we watch them now, like I've been saying, is is if we watch it with different eyes and look for sort of that the social commentary, maybe it's it, it can be a cautionary tale to not let things get out of hand or not give one person too much power. Mm-hmm. or not give one entity body. one group of people <laughs> yes too much too much power too much say over what the people can and can't do and the fact that like these things were written into the script 20 mm-hmm. years ago mm-hmm. um and they still apply today like and these mm-hmm. are techniques that have existed for thousands of years it's just things yes. that it is super e- like it's super easy to manipulate someone like this yes. in, a, in a way where like it's it's been a, it's been a problem forever where there's like this toxic masculinity and there are these issues mm-hmm. that people have where like they everyone feels like they're the main character of their own story and then when you actually mm-hmm. tell them that it, it it's easy to get in their heads and 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 get them to do what you want them to do sure that's that's what palpatine does and like the um, i keep i keep comparing the audience of these movies to the characters in them. like we are anakin hey, we are jar jar we are uh, we are Palpatine. Like this is these. Why can't like why can't we be Obi Wan? <laughs> yeah, can't we be exactly. The guy that just kind of like does his thing and and exists. Um, because we're okay with being gaslighted by everybody. It's it's listening to everybody's opinion and saying, okay, so you don't think that I'm good at this? I won't do it. Or because you see someone else, even a friend of yours, is a authority figure that they may not that they may not be like, they might not know anything on the subject that they're talking about. Like if somebody tells you, Oh, you can't be um, a musician or you can't juggle because you don't know how to juggle. It's very easy for someone to tell you, Oh, you can't do that. But logically you, you can say, you know what? I can't do that now, but I can take some classes and figure it out if that's what I really want to do. And it's kind of being gas. I'm using a, a very broad example, but it's just kind of like, daily gaslighting that we get from from everybody and it's sort of ingrained into everyone to do it to other people without there being a a consciousness of saying okay wow i see what this person's doing yeah telling people don't rock the boat if things are fine the way they're going there's really no Mm -hmm. reason in like changing that up or challenging the status quo yeah it's kind of like where i think maybe older generations will say oh no why do you think you're special you're not and now it's like, well, everybody's special and let's complain about everything. And everybody gets hurt by every commentary. It's there has to be some kind of balance. I think that is probably one of the major points of Star Wars is there has to be balance yeah. in all things. And I hate that they should have touched on in any of these films, the gray Jedi, which are technically balanced. Mm-hmm. That's when we'll see. And we and I think we could finish off with that talking about like the like going to the political stuff and then like there's that there's the philosophical politics mm-hmm. that the like the more the morality of this world that seems to exist in these movies. And and it gets touched on in the in the sequel sequels. 
the new yeah. well, <laughs> in the, in the se- sequels, in, in the, the sequel sequels. trilogy, <laughs> the sequel trilogy, uh, like when in the Last Jedi, when Mar- when uh, Luke Skywalker is talking about how when he acknowledges that the Jedi were corrupt, that they were too, they were there was too, they were they were too full of themselves, and and then and then he covets like those Jedi, those ancient Jedi texts, and then Yoda mm-hmm. has to tell him they're just books, dude. Yeah, just let it go. It's sort uh, of that's a very Buddhist philosophy of let it go and it will make itself right or yeah. whatever right needs to happen will happen yeah o- o- yoda's like trying to tell me you need to be open to change mm-hmm. like right like if ray i think yoda's aware that both ray and probably kylo are this next generation of force users that are that mm-hmm. are that are going to pave the way for the new world you need to let them right and they're and they are the balance right light and dark yeah, you're only, and 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 again, like it can't really be light and dark. Like the way I've always gone about it when it came to the morality of the light side and the dark side is that neither one is good or evil. I always saw like the light side as a, as a more like uh, law bearing, law fearing, kind of like sticking to the status quo, making sure things are the way they are. And then uh, the dark side was always like survival of the fittest, like. Put your put do whatever you can to put yourself at number one live in this society where like don't necessarily follow the laws but give give responsibility to the person who has the power to enforce it yeah uh, and and as we saw in all of the films n- neither one of those extremes work yeah. because in life extremes really don't work and it really is about finding that the balance of both I and mean, you can't just be all status quo all the time and you can't just be all i'm gonna be out for myself and survive alone all the yeah. time. Yeah, and we saw that. We saw in the original trilogy, uh, Luke starts off in his pure white uh, desert getup, and by the time he gets to the Return of the Jedi, he's wearing all black. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and the, he he doesn't defeat he doesn't defeat the Emperor, defeat the Darth Vader until he gets angry, until he gets uh, uh, until he gives into the dark side just a little bit and mm-hmm. and, and fights his way. We could probably have a whole nother podcast on the use of, of colors and things like that to tell the story in, in Star Wars and just about any film, really. Oh, yeah, I could probably, do a, whole podcast. Different colors. I could mm-hmm. probably do a whole podcast about that scene in uh, The Force Awakens where uh, right before Kylo kills Han Solo and spoilers, everybody, right before uh, Kylo kills Han Solo and then he's got the light. <laughs> he's got the blue on one side and the red on the other side. Wait, Han Solo dies? Yeah, sorry. Sorry to have to bring that up for you. All right. <laughs> uh, I think that's a good way to end it. Uh, Sophie, if people want to know what you're up to or follow you on the socials, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Instagram at Solo Cinema, and you can look up my current project on Twitter, which is at the price of the price for freedom, which is a civil rights project that will hopefully be coming out soon in streaming services. Yeah, and I'll put a link to that stuff on the show notes. Check it out. It's gonna. I, I'm super interested in it. It's gonna be really good. It, we have some really good things coming from it, and we're gonna start filming soon, hopefully. So it's gonna be an amazing, amazing project. You know, it's whenever a, the the plague ends. Yes, whenever the plague ends, which is really what's what's put a lot of projects behind, especially in entertainment, is is the plague. So whenever that ends, check it out. You can check us out on social media at um the price for freedom you can check out our website at thepriceforfreedom.com and for me personally you can check me out at solo cinema on instagram thank you so much sophie you're a terrific guest i'm sure we will have you on again either to talk about star wars or talk whatever thank you so much thank you And that's the episode, folks. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thanks so much to Sophie for coming on the show. Can't wait to have her back. If you like the episode and if you like the show in general, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever might be taken or whatever podcatcher of your choice that might accept reviews of some kind uh, helps spread the word around, let other people find the podcast. Like I said, folks, there is eventually going to be 
be an episode for everybody. I promise that is my number one goal is that there's going to be at least one episode of this show at some point that someone will enjoy listening to for everybody. That's what I mean for everybody. I don't mean like there's only ever going to be one good episode, but there is eventually going to be one subject covered that applies to every single person's favorite thing. I want to know what your favorite thing is. If you guys want to share what your favorite thing is, if, if you want to suggest an idea for an episode, if you want to suggest what we talk about and, you know, have me do the research on it and do a whole podcast about it, I will do so. Just reach out to me on inmydefensepodcast.com under contacts where you can find in my defense podcast at gmail.com. Uh, that's a good place to reach out. You can also reach out to me directly. I am anti Chris Rivero on both Twitter and Instagram. And you know what I just realized right now, folks, it is probably a super awkward situation that if you know someone personally who has their own show, their own platform, they want to talk to that you're not really involved with and you want to be involved with it. It is probably super difficult to like work up that courage and kind of just ask them, hey, can I be a guest on your thing? That is totally understandable. Something that not everybody wants to do something kind of it's kind of an awkward situation. So that's why on in my defense there is a handy dandy form for people to fill out. So that you can just do takes you it could take it'll take you one minute one minute total depending on what you want to talk about where i just ask for some contact information so i can get back in touch with you your name what you want to talk about and why you want to talk about it so badly you can make it a, just a few sentences you can write a whole essay for all i care just let me know what you want to talk about and if i think it can make a good episode and i kind of think that there's almost nothing that you really can't talk about on a podcast folks just bring it Try me out. If you find that you're super knowledgeable about the mating habits of your mating habits of a you know, of an American worker ant, I want to hear about it. Let's do a podcast on that. Most definitely, guys. I wish that was at least somewhat not true. Well, at this moment, I can't think of anything else to talk about. So let's go out on the rest of It's a Trap by Dr. Awkward. And I will see you next week with another geek on the In My Defense podcast. We lurk in the black, now you cop before you realize where you're at. Screaming, it's a trap.